I spent this past weekend at the Brattle Theater at the Boston Underground Film Festival, celebrating its 16th year there. I watched four movies, and then my friends uh, Carter and Elizabeth, we all are writing reviews of them for the Film Club blog. They'll be online in a few days, hopefully, but uh, in the meantime, here is my uh, impressions of the four movies that I managed to see this weekend. The first movie was called Doomsdays. It was written and directed and scored by a guy named Eddie Mullins. He's never made anything before, but this movie was really, really good. It stars Leo Fitzpatrick uh, from Kids, as a matter of fact, uh, as a guy named Brol, who is uh, traveling around uh, the forest, like kind of vacation-y area, with his friend Dirty Fred. And um, they spend the movie looting vacation homes, uh, breaking in and uh, staying there for as long as they can, while remaining undetected by their original owners. And you're wondering why they do this. And the movie, um, Mullins calls it a pre-apocalyptic comedy. And what it is, uh, you find out as the movie goes on, more information about the world they live in and uh, their attitude towards it. And it's really, really cool. I don't want to spoil that because it's a really interesting you know, concept. And in addition to all that, the script is really, really funny. It's very dry humor because what happens is uh very long takes uh from a single angle uh at the at the screening mullins was there and he talked about how he hates doing coverage and how much easier it was to just do a single take of things from a certain angle and how in addition to being convenient it was like an artistic choice too uh based on some of his favorite directors but this movie was really really good as they uh go along looting homes they uh, meet people uh there's lots of talk about the world and the state of things and uh you know, love, there's a lot of really cool things about friendship and companionship because uh, as time goes on and attitudes about what they're doing start to change, they, uh, you know, people start to have fallings out, falling outs, fallings out, I don't know, but uh, things start to change and it's really interesting the way that everything plays out in this movie. Keep an eye out for this. Uh, this movie, they're working on distributing it. I don't know if it has like locked in distribution yet. But definitely keep an eye out for it because this is definitely one to, uh, to keep on your radar as uh, releases come throughout the year. Immediately after that was a movie called The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. It was made by two French directors uh, co-directing this, and they have a movie called A Mare from 2009. I'd never seen it, and the names of the directors escaped me, but this movie was incredible. It was so stylish and so impressionistic that I... It's still, like, in my head. I'm still trying to figure everything out. The only thing I knew about this movie uh, from the synopsis I read in the program before was a man investigates his own murder. And while that may or may not actually be the case, I really have no idea. They end up doing all of these crazy things and all these beautiful, cool, stylistic actions. It's so tightly edited. It's so beautifully shot. Uh, the acting is really, really good, but that definitely takes a backseat to the uh, to the you know, film techniques. And I really want to explain to you what the plot is, but I don't know what it is. What happens is, like, the movie starts off, this guy gets off of a plane and goes back to his apartment trying to find his wife. She's missing, so he goes around and tries to find her, but then things start to get really weird. A woman tells him the story about how her husband is trapped in the ceiling doing something or other. Then there's alternate universes or alternate dimensions. Like, there's a point where... There's another version of the guy inside himself, so he tries to, like, get out. And it's shown through, you know, different colored lights in the scenes and the way that they cut back and forth and the way that they have him, like, kind of slash outside, like, slash through his outer self. And it's incredible. 
I have no idea how they pulled it off. I don't know how they planned this. I don't know what the point is. All I know is that I can't get this movie, The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, out of my head. I don't know if it has distribution or not. The uh, directors weren't there to talk about it. But I definitely want to check out their first movie, A Mare, and see how it compares. I thought this movie was incredible. It's bloody. It's gruesome. It is surreal. It was a real punch to the gut, and I don't know how to take it, but all I know is I want to see it again. I feel like this is a movie like Upstream Color where you can really delve into it and figure things out if you want to, but if you take it at face value, it makes no sense. I still haven't figured out Upstream Color. Don't hate me, Brandon. So that was my Friday night. On Saturday night, I went and saw the uh, New England area premiere of a movie called Starry Eyes. And this movie was something that I knew nothing about. But when I started watching it, I could definitely see the influences from 80s slasher movies and the kinds of movies that it really took inspiration from. The directors were there after the movie, and they said that they really drew inspiration from Cronenberg, which I thought was awesome. This movie is about an actress who would do anything to, you know, hit the big time. She's working at this uh, restaurant called Big Taters. It was really funny the way that uh, this movie, you know, had a really great tongue-in-cheek sense of humor, and it worked. Uh, it was something really silly and funny and bloody, and it all worked really well together. But this uh, restaurant she works at, Big Taters, is definitely the best uh, example of the kinds of silly things this movie does. Uh, she has an acting career. She's been going to auditions, not doing so hot. And then she goes to this one uh, audition where they ask her to you know, read a scene. It doesn't go well. She has one of her mental breakdowns in the bathroom. They hear it, bring her back, and ask her to recreate the mental breakdown for them. And from there, the auditioners get really, really creepy. They invite her back to, you know, the producer's house. They start to really demand things of her for this part that she isn't comfortable with doing. And as the movie goes on, she starts to break down more. She has uh, – she was a fairly normal girl in the beginning, but as the movie ends – she turns into something completely different. And this movie was basically like a middle finger to the kind of, uh, you know, selling your soul to not necessarily Hollywood, but, you know, any sort of higher up that would demand something of you and take your humanity away from you. And this movie does a really good job of showing that while also being a really fun, scary, intense, disgusting movie. They said they're going to have distribution in the next six months, so I'm definitely going back to see this one on uh, – actual real theatrical release which is going to be really really fun i can't wait to see how people react to this movie because it goes really far and does some crazy things while still being funny and having uh good characters and a really good kind of message there's a bunch of stuff in there about millennials as well i'm at seven and a half minutes and i have one more movie to talk about it's called edsa trenta it was a uh filipino punk rock opera shot entirely in fisheye lens now, I was excited to see this movie. I didn't know it was a punk rock thing until, uh, you know, it started and they started singing about Edsa Trenta, which uh, Edsa was like a boulevard somewhere in a city. And then Trenta, what happened was uh, this is like a future set kind of dystopian world where, um, you know, it's the 30th, uh, I guess, ruler of Edsa. I didn't really understand it. Uh, the subtitles were horrible as well. But what happened was I don't actually know what happened it was convoluted it was horribly shot uh the songs were catchy enough 
But the lyrics, I pray that they're better in, uh, I don't know, whatever the original language is, because it was things like three eyes has three eyes chanted over and over again. And this movie was a mess. It was lo-fi, you know, shot on with a shot with a fisheye lens. So the framing was really bad. They reused actors in different bit parts. Uh, everything was entirely ADR'd. And while I shouldn't have anything against ADR, <laughs> uh, this movie does it really, really badly. It was so obvious they didn't have mics or all the audio was ruined or something. So the lip syncing was horrible and they throw in these really cartoony, stupid, like, effects. And I, this movie just pissed me off <laughs> the way that, like... You know, I this was the midnight movie, and there were eight other people there in the theater with me watching it, just kind of zoned out. The songs were catchy enough, but they were just stupid, and the plot was stupid. And it made some sort of statement about the statement of the Filipino government and some revolution that happened years before. So I feel bad for bashing it because, you know, this is something that's really important. It has affected a lot of people. But the way that they do it feels insensitive, and it was just made poorly. It... No, it was stupid. I didn't like it at all. And I'm excited to see what happens with this movie. This was apparently the North American premiere of the movie. And I'm kind of intrigued to see where it goes. Maybe, you know, we'll find a cult following somewhere. But I can't imagine anybody actually liking this movie or wanting to watch it. I'm running really, really long today. I'm really, really sorry, guys. But uh, it's 10 minutes long now, this ADR podcast. Uh, tomorrow I'll have something new for you guys, another episode, as you do every single weekday. Uh, ADR podcast, daily show. I'm rambling now. Uh, let's end the show here. 